Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Go right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Rod, what's your sword throw over there? Random notes. Yeah, okay. random notes. I always swore through random notes, man, before yes. the show. Get Rod and I roll with notes. Yeah, see, Matt's the same way. I'm the same <laughs> way, dude. You got to get a good idea or a good thought and write it down or a good stat and write It's it like down. our right. own personal computer. It's like that yeah, Zoolander man. thing. Not, you got to go get the files in the computer. Yeah, well, yeah. sometimes you got to have the hard copy. Exactly. And sometimes I swore through it. I'll memorize it and I can throw stuff away. But other than that, dude, I got to I gotta have all, all this stuff kind of organized randomly, my thoughts. I need to get with your lady friend, I think, for Christmas. We need to get you one of those traveling files folders where you can like tab everything i probably would be really yeah. good with that that's yeah. what like uh i think football coaches have those yeah you know what i mean because they have your know, football coaches come up with random here's thoughts my third down here's my third my third yeah. longs my, my third and shorts yeah try to organize it. yeah no i agree with you red I'm, zone stuff i'm with you on that man and i carry a I carry a bag with me all the time i carry basically a man purse mm-hmm. you know, a merce whatever you want to call it you know what I mean? And as I, I have stated before, I have had a chicken sandwich out of Rod's bag Shit. before. <laughs> just like just like Mama. I got candy in there, all kind of stuff, goodies. You know what I mean? Well, we got yeah, goodies yeah. for everybody today because this is an edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I'm Jeff Howe. It's weird, man. When when the Blitz doesn't come out on time, man, people start panicking a little bit. You're getting Twitter messages and messages on the message board. Like, hey, hey, where's the Blitz? Understandably, <laughs> last time we disappeared out of nowhere, we're, so uh, that does make sense. We're, 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 we're good. We're, we're recording. We're just... We had to we had to source some things out. Uh, Rod had a meeting yesterday. I use that term loosely. I did have a meeting. Yeah, because, it wasn't uh, really like yeah. Well, I had to make a presentation. It was yeah, so I couldn't <laughs> do the show. Jeff helped me out, and I appreciate it. Sounds very formal. I yeah. did two hours of the Rodcast oh, on man. on Wednesday. So Wednesday, our normal recording day, we weren't able to get in. The studio actually Tuesdays are normal. Tuesday, day, yeah, we, right? had, we, yeah. had we had several scheduling conferences all running yeah. together. Yeah, but anyway, we're here. Uh, today is Thursday, so we're not going to talk a ton about uh, Deshaun Elliott and Michael Dixon being up uh, for the Jim Thorpe and the Ray Guy Award, respectively, mm. because by the time everybody listens to this podcast, those awards will have been handed out. That's just true. Um, but we will talk about Longhorn football since we last convened. Texas does have a bowl opponent and a bowl destination. Mm. It is the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. It is on December 27th in Rod's hometown of Houston, Texas. H-Town. At NRG Stadium against the Missouri Tigers, former Big 12 team now in the SEC East. And we'll talk a little bit about Texas and Missouri today, but we've got a couple more shows to do that. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, the man who sits across from me directly. Uh, I don't know if he wants to get too deep into his record day of fantasy sports this week, but oh, uh, let's just say he had a hell of a day, uh, of and that day. is Matt Butler. Yes, DraftKings, it was a good day yesterday. I always played some of their big tournaments and got to take down some GPPs, which was really big. But, yeah, overall, looking at uh, the bowl game, like you were saying, taking on Missouri, I learned a lot about Missouri. that I didn't realized I knew nothing. I didn't even know who this <laughs> Barry Odom guy is. Like, I, yeah. They just disappeared Second off the coach. earth for a while. Yeah. But, yeah, I learned a lot about Missouri when 
when I realized Texas was playing. I was like, well, once again, it's just mirroring that first season. Uh, Charlie Strong, as you would go with the same record, the same bowl, we got a SEC opponent, and now even a former history, a former conference opponent. So, be all right, bowl game. But other than that, uh, had a history lesson on Missouri. It's a bowl game, though. At least Texas is playing in the postseason. <laughs> That's yeah. actually the same thing that um, – uh, the the Greg Finvis said he literally was like I think they asked him about it and he was like hey, I'm just kind of happy we're in the bowl game honestly like I, mean, I I'm just paraphrasing but mm-hmm. yeah it's like I'm happy we're playing in the postseason period so yeah I think a lot of local fans at least me I'm like man at least we're playing in the postseason I mean that's a that's a yeah. good thing the guys that's progress trust me we'll complain about all the stuff we have to complain about but bowl, that's progress bowl practices mm-hmm. going bowl on practices right now, which yeah are huge. Um, yeah, actually, do you know that, um, to Matt's point about Missouri, I don't know if a lot of Longhorn fans would realize this. Do, do Longhorn fans know if Malik Jefferson doesn't play in this bowl game, I don't, I've got to go look at the composite rankings for this Texas roster. I don't think Texas will have a five-star prospect on the field, but Missouri will. Oh, yeah? Terry Man. Beckner Jr., the defensive lineman. Terry Beckner's a legitimate NFL prospect. It's like Mizzou, a decade of D-line. Ten and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks this year. Uh, I would say I would say that Missouri has done a great job over the probably last decade of having D-linemen. From like kind of, Hood out, you know what I mean? Alden like, yeah. Smith, Shane Wright. Like, they've had yeah. all sorts of guys. Shane yeah. Ray, uh, Michael Sam, Alden, Michael Sam, Alden, yeah. Alden Smith. I don't know if you mentioned They've yeah. done yeah. a really good job like the last decade. I don't know what it is. It's something about Missouri. If you're a scout, you probably already know that. Like, Missouri's a great kind of diamond in the rough for really good. NFL caliber defensive our pass rushers I should say and what's the Texas connection there now Brick Haley is the defensive line coach at Missouri ah, is he really yes. interesting <laughs> even yeah. though all a lot of those defensive tackles Brick Haley recruited in 2016 most of them are gone now from the 40 acres uh, there, there's a lot of people leaving the 40 acres yes <laughs> that seems to be the trend a man who yeah. once upon a time left the 40 acres but uh, he left after exhausting all of his eligibility this is true. A, a lifetime longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semi-finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he had his T-ring, he would wear it proudly. He is a card-carrying member of DBU nonetheless. Number 21 in your program, but number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you, brother, for the intro. Uh, no it. problem, Rod. And uh, let's go ahead, Matt, since you brought it up, and I mentioned Terry Beckner Jr., let's talk about this matchup, Texas and Missouri. Uh, Missouri, if you look at it, Matt, the other parallel, and I don't know if you mentioned this, you mentioned the 6-6 six and six record for Texas and mm-hmm. the SEC opponent, but like Arkansas was in 2014, Missouri's coming into this bowl game as one of the hottest teams in the country. That's right. Now, you can look at that two ways. One, they beat up on a lot of SEC East teams that are making coaching changes. <laughs> they beat the brakes off Florida. It, it, it was like the the play Missouri lose to them and get fired to her. Like Butch Jones loses big to Missouri, <laughs> he gets fired. Dan Mullen, I mean uh, Jim McElwain loses big to Missouri, and he gets fired. Brett Bielema loses to Missouri, he gets fired. fired. Whole yeah. SEC, it's just like yeah, that SEC West is a powerhouse, and right now it's sort of like remember when the Big Twelve South and the Big Twelve North was disproportionate, or you've had different times like when they started the legends and leaders side, and then you end up having Urban and Harbaugh kick everybody's butt. It's just weird. Like you've seen these conferences, if you get a couple powers, it can just annihilate a whole nother half of a conference. Yeah, it's interesting that I think some schools um, just kind of have a stigma that 
and maybe it's a standard for other schools and a stigma for others that you're not supposed to lose to certain schools and you're not supposed certain schools don't beat these schools. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Charlie Strong loses to Kansas, you're out, bro. Done. Mm-hmm. We don't lose to Kansas. It used to be that case for Baylor. Remember, before Mac Brown, all the coaches prior you to him to who had been ousted at Texas <laughs> had lost to Baylor. I think like the, the, the previous three yeah. had lost to Baylor the year they were fired. He was like, no, we don't lose to Baylor, though. You're out. So, you know, I think it's kind of the landscape changing in college football. We've seen this even from the coaching carousel to recruiting. Things are changing, man. Like the, the schools that used to be able to uh, have that clout and be kind of shot callers when I was a, a young teenager coming out and being recruited, they're really not the same. Oh, yeah. Tennessee's you know I mean? like Nebraska. Tennessee. No, Tennessee's but, getting, you know? that's Nebraska from a decade ago where you've had powers and then it's like almost a delusion yeah. with the tradition and the locality because when you are inside something, you can't see it for what it is and how you're viewed yeah. from the outside. So you have this idea. And I mean, Texas fans had a lesser identity of it that. We're Texas. We can do whatever we want. We're just going to rebuild now. Texas isn't nearly as bad of a drop-off, and luckily we have some geographic advantages being in the state, great weather, great city, things that these other schools like, say, Nebraska or Tennessee had the traditional power, but now if you have no other reason to come there and then you're detached by a generation or two from success, it's hard to ever be able to re-spark it. And now Texas got lucky. We're always going to have kids coming out of the state, and Texas keep it going. That's why Nebraska – you know, I won't, yeah. we won't talk too much coaching carousel I other than the Scott obvious with, S- with, with SMU, what we oh, have yeah. to talk about here in a That's minute. But, yeah, Scott Frost going back to Nebraska now, awesome. it conjures up all this stuff that recruits now say, oh, wow, Nebraska really was good. Yeah, started bringing up that history. They really were legit. Yeah, they started bringing up that history. It's a great point. <laughs> yeah, but who yeah. wants to go to Lincoln? Well, well, that's the that, challenge. That's the tough part. That's the, the challenge. The challenges have in. changed for a lot of reasons. Social media, of course, but mm-hmm. recruiting for a lot of different reasons. And like I said, I mean, Tennessee is a blue blood. There are a lot of blue blood football programs. Tennessee is still a blue blood football program. And I've always said this, and, I, and I'll, I'll stick with it, and I'll argue it uh, to, the, to the nth degree to any, with anybody. If you're a blue blood football program like Tennessee, like Nebraska, Notre Dame. You, hire, Notre Dame, you hire the right coach, it don't take long to turn it around, man. I get if you had the right guy. Now you have the wrong guy. It may take you a while. Mm. Right. The right guy. Look at Penn State. Look at you know Ohio USC State. or Florida, Ohio State, or I mean, it goes Michigan. It goes on and on. You have the right guy, man. That football program might turn around like that, like yeah. two or three. What years. I think you've got to sell if you're Scott Frost recruiting kids, and I think see Nebraska get back to recruiting in Texas more. I think now they've got a pipeline to Florida with Scott Frost tenure yeah. at UCF. Uh, yeah. What you sell them on is, look, yeah, is it cold in Lincoln, Nebraska? Yeah, but we want you here running in this offense, and with the numbers you're going to put up, you're only going to be here three years anyway. Yep. That's right. It's what you, take what you gotta ten by storm. Yeah. And he's gonna be bringing a modern offense, which is gonna help in that conference. Attra- and I think, make it more attractive yeah. because you don't have something to sell necessarily it'll like be, you did before. It'll be it'll it, it'll end up being what Art Brown I know it's the name you bring up, but yeah. Art, what Art Browse did for Baylor when the <laughs> the identity of moment. Baylor became hell man, I wanna play in that offense. That's the best offense in the country. It's uh-huh. the most explosive, it is the most attractive, it's the sexiest. That I wanna go play in that offense. If you're a skill position player or you're, you know, anybody on in the offensive side of the right. ball. And I think that's what he was able to kind of build there. And mm-hmm. I think if you're Scott Frost, you can do that. And you can have more cachet than even Art Browse. Art Browse was a local hero, too, in Texas because of what he had done. Yep. But I think with Nebraska, that's a blue blood already. You don't have to do half the work mm-hmm. that Art right. Browse had to do to bring Baylor to, to the to Matt, To Matt, something you mentioned, though, when you talk about 
kind of bringing a modern offense in, bringing that spread offense. It's easier for a guy like Scott Frost to do it in Nebraska because Nebraska people trust him. They yes, know Scott Frost. Not an Scott outsider. Frost is one of theirs. Exactly. He's not Bill Callahan. It's not Bill Callahan. It's not <laughs> Mike not question him as much. It's not even Bo Pelini. That's a funny it's, thing to point out. We're it's back one of, to it's one of their own. It's a homegrown, yeah. homegrown kid Sean coming Watson? back. The prodigal son returning. <laughs> Yeah, not definitely not, not Sean Hence uh, Tom Herman, not Charlie Strong. But let's get hmm. back to Missouri, though, and, and look at this schedule. And, Rod, they start out 1-5, and five, and uh, the last game they lost in this losing streak was a 53-28 game to Georgia. Uh, you know, they played Idaho for homecoming, which I, honestly I don't really know. I couldn't even tell the you. Vandals. Idaho, yeah. If Idaho's still an FBS or if they're an FCS. No, I, I, think I think they are. I have a friend. Aren't they one of those programs that's like transitioning from FBS to FCS? And they're I don't know. You, I'm not sure. I think they're all I think they're all the way up. Okay. Yeah. Um, Connecticut. <laughs> the bottom of the then they play UConn. Then they play UConn. See, this is the other thing about being in the SEC, and you get those eight conference games. You get the four non-conference games. Yeah. So you get Idaho and UConn in the middle of the year, and then Florida forty-five sixteen, Tennessee fifty to seventeen, Vanderbilt forty-five seventeen, and then they go beat Arkansas forty-eight forty-five to finish seven and five. And Rod, when you look at this Missouri offense, they do lose Josh Heupel to Central Florida, who's now going there to be the head coach. And I've got something on that in a minute, something bizarre. But Josh Heupel leaves, but this is a Missouri offense. You know they've got skill talent with guys like Jamon Moore, a Houston kid, out of wide receiver, and then Drew Locke, who is a legit NFL prospect at quarterback. Just when you think you're done seeing NFL guys, and you look at the guys Texas has seen this year with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph, Mm -hmm. And all these other great quarterbacks, now you're going to face another guy that's got legit first-round potential in Drew Locke. And a guy, Rod, and this leads us into the discussion about the Texas defense with what they won't have. You're talking about a Missouri team that loves to throw the football vertically. They love the deep ball. They live off the deep ball. Drew Locke, I think, is averaging over 16 yards of completion. So when you look at what Missouri does with what Texas doesn't have, it's a matchup that I don't like on paper for Texas. Uh, In a secondary without Holton Hill and Deshaun Elliott. Um, no, I agree with you. And um, obviously, we don't know what's up with Malik Jefferson yet, so there's still something that's up in the air. Uh, like I said, I mean, I, I brought this up early in the year, and I think Lohan fans were upset with me when I brought it up. But I was like, well, I'm just talking about the reality of what's going to happen. When you lose that much talent, I talked to Craig Way about it. Uh, and other than Bill Little, I don't know who, more, who is more of a Longhorn football historian than Craig Way or Bill Little. I was like, have you seen a mass exodus like this from the University of Texas? Like, when has it happened? Like, you know, I, I compared it to 2005 maybe, but you're bookending that with a Rose Bowl appearance in 2004 and then another double-digit win season in 2006. I don't know if that's comparable. And he's like, I don't think you've ever seen anything like this. And to my calculation, Texas has lost, I want to say, 10 players in the history of Texas football who have declared early for the NFL draft prior to 2017. And I think they already have had three now, and yeah. potentially there are going to be more. And I, so I, I think the biggest issue is I think Texas could beat a Missouri, no question about it, especially what Todd Orlando's doing, but with the mass exodus of talent that you're seeing on the defensive side of the ball, which could be like any, un, unlike anything we've ever seen on the 40 acres, this will be the test for Todd Orlando. And I know we love Todd Orlando, but I said the same thing earlier this year about Manny Diaz and Vance Befford, and I had done the research, those guys lost a ton of talent after that first year. And their numbers are very comparable to Todd Orlando's defense this right. year. Mm-hmm. They are right on par. They're right there. Right. Honestly, you, you can argue Todd Orlando's defense is more talented than those defenses were. But after that first year for Manny Diaz in 2011, he loses 
Maniacho. He loses Keenan Robinson to NFL linebackers. Keaston Randall. He loses Keaston Randall. He loses Blake Gideon. Mm-hmm. And that defense falls off a cliff the next year. Manny Diaz is not a bad defensive coordinator. He's a he's a Brawls Award finalist this year for one of the best assistants in the country. So he's not a he's not an idiot. He's not a football imbecile mm-hmm. like people claimed him to be <laughs> his last two years on the Forty Acres. Okay, he just lost a ton of talent. And defense ain't like offense, man. You and gotta have talent to play defense. You can't have some Baylor uh, two star recruits and have a great scheme and end up scoring a lot of points. And I, I like Texas Tech. It don't work that way on defense. The only way to play good defense is to have talent. You give me one defensive coordinator in the country right now who's playing really great defense with a scheme and not a lot of great talent. You're don't right. work like that. It's dog. offense. Offense works. Offense. That way. The only way that works you like that because it's execution. Systems. It's something else all together. All right. So you gotta have talent to play defense. And Manny Diaz. Uh, he lost a lot of talent. Same thing with Vance Bedford, right? He loses Quandre Diggs, loses Mikael Thomas, loses Jordan Hicks. He loses Malcolm um, Brown. It, yeah, Malcolm Brown, of course, on the defensive line, That's which I think is the even you know pulling forward maybe the most important player on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, he obviously, yeah, he, he loses so much talent over there. Steve Edmond, we talked about him. He loses so much talent that he's unable to teach or, or at least implement his system with those younger guys quick enough. Now, I will say this: I like Tartalando more than I like. At this point, their fir- after their first year, I like him more than I like Vance Bedford or Manny Diaz after their first year. A good I think he's done a great job of being able to adapt that defense to the Big 12 culture of offense. But you can't play defense without talent, right. and he's going to lose his top three, top like three of his top five best players on defense. Man, that is tough. Now, in this bowl game, he'll have Puna Ford, who I believe is the most important defensive player on that defense. So that's good. He's got reserves. He's got Gary Johnson. He's got guys in that secondary. Brandon Jones may play in the bowl game. So he's got, but the true test will come after all those guys leave. And I'm telling local fans right now, just to warn you, all right, right, can't play defense without talent. And Texas may have the biggest mass exit of talent on one side of the ball they've ever had in the history of the program. Yeah. Yeah. So be prepared. Right. Let me throw this out there, though, Rod. And I'm not saying that it would have made that much of a difference, but let me just kind of play, not really even devil's advocate, let me just want to throw this out there. Take that 2012 defense, and let's say Jordan Hicks doesn't get hurt and plays the whole year. And let's take that 2015 defense and say you've got a healthy Hassan Ridgeway the whole year. Okay. Does help. it fall off of a cliff as much as it does? Well, well that's man, can more you talent. say that, though, that in every well, football just a little program more you have no, those I guys get, get hurt? I get like, it. Connor Williams gets hurt. But you're oh, talking about – But you talk, so, we're, we're talking about – butts, candies, and nuts. Right, but you're talking about, you're talking about but defense. No, but you're and, right, and then it would just be that, yeah, you're adding one talented piece to s- replace six of them. So, yeah, it could make it a little better, but I don't think it would make it man. much better, you know, because you have hey, to have a copious amount of How much of a difference do you think it would have made? It all depends on the position. All depends yep. on the, one piece uh, wouldn't matter game. that because much. Because when you I talk about Son Ridgeway, probably made a huge difference. Because I, I think the when he said, was healthy I, in fifteen, I think they Puna were good. Ford was the most important defensive player this year. I think he was more important than Malik. I think he was more important than Deshaun Elliott or Houghton Hill. I'll make that argument, and I think I can prove it statistically mm-hmm. uh, because the, the domino effect of that type. You need a that 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 nose tackle in a three four defense like Tarlando plays, right. and they're becoming more and more of a rarity in Texas to be to find guys that can play like that. Yeah. And losing I can find another Malik. I know it's tough, but I can find me a fast, speedy linebacker that kind of fits right. those dimensions. Deshaun Elliott, Houghton Hill, I can find guys that it's hard to find guys that can if you fit the dimensions of playing a three four nose tackle, that's great. Still don't mean you can play it. Right. Still don't mean yeah. you actually know how to play it and he actually knew how to play it well right. so, to actually demand a double team. So my point being, I think Hassan Ridgeway would have played a great role, but 
man, I, I, I don't know if any of those guys would have been able to cushion the blow of— Because those defenses were so bad. Yeah. They, they were so, so bad. They, they fell off a cliff. You had first that's round. That's the talent drop-off. Kenny was on that, what, that 2012 defense? Yeah. That defense looked terrible. You yeah. had a young— the first rounder. A, a, a young Malcolm Brown, a young Cedric Reed. You got to have was that talent, central nervous. You, you're talking about experienced, all-conference, NFL-caliber talent. Experience, Experience, yes. though. You know what I mean? Yes. Those guys had already been Chemistry. through it, man. Those guys had already played. They had already been through the ups and downs. Growing pains. Now you're going to put in all these young guys, which is great. That means that 2018 class will probably be one of the most important classes in the history of Texas football. But, guys, it like ex- Expect growing there, pains. there is no way to be able to compensate for that losing that experienced NFL caliber talent. Y'all act like NFL players grow on trees. Hell, four years ago, we didn't have a player drafted. Now you're going to have potentially three or four guys drafted. Hell, three of them off the defense. That's going to be tough. And that's where, like, this transition is going to be. I played on the defense with Corey Redding. It was me, Corey Redding. I probably played on defense with like four or five NFL guys. Mm -hmm. And we were a top 10 defense. Hell, man, you lose that many guys without being able to replenish it with NFL talent. Who else on this team, after all those guys leave, will be considered an NFL caliber player that will Nobody be drafted right now. after Malik leaves, after Deshaun Elliott leaves, after, hell, Puna now is well, going to be on a level let me, let me now play devil's advocate with your scenario, Rod. I, I think the defense, it's expected. It should be expected they take a step back, that they're not as good in 18 as they were this Gonna year. Going to have okay. growing pains, definitely. But I think what keeps you from falling off a cliff, while it might not be NFL-caliber talent, I don't think you fall off a cliff because you do have experience. You do. Look at the defensive line, especially if you get Charles Amenahu back, if you've got Chris Nelson, Brecken Hager, Charles Amenahu, Malcolm Rose. It's guys on the defensive front that have played a lot of football. I like those guys. Go to linebacker. When you're only playing two linebackers anyway, Gary Johnson played really well the second half of this year. Yes, he did. And – the big thing is, what do you get out of Anthony Wheeler? Anthony Wheeler's played a lot of football, hasn't been consistently high-level football. But there's something there with Wheeler. Yeah. Can you get it out of him? And the secondary, well, yeah, I'm worried about losing a Holton Hill, which I would disagree with you. I would say Holton Hill was the MVP of the defense because I just think the defense looked a hell of a lot different with Holton Hill and without Holton Hill. But they replaced Holton Hill. Chris Boyd stepped up. Chris you know Boyd did mean? step like, up, but Devontae Davis became a weakness. Yeah, he did, but he still made the plays at corner. The one, That's, the most irreplaceable guy on that defense is Puna Ford. There's no question about it. Every other guy I can put in, it may be a drop off, but it's not a precipitous drop off. If Puna, if Puna Ford can't play, dude, transforms that defense, the defense. It's a train He's wreck. talking about because then who, who keeps who keeps Malik Jefferson and Gary Johnson? No, playing? I'm not disagreeing with you. you know I'm not mean? saying Puna Ford. I played on a defense in 2000 right. with Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers, and we were a top 10 defense. And it wasn't because I was an no, all star like, starting at. This is what I don't like point. about these arguments. It's almost you know like I mean? y'all are saying like I think Puna Ford's like garbage or. Something. No, I'm not no, saying he's not terrible. I'm not, I'm not saying, saying he wasn't valuable. I'm not saying he he's not going to be just irreplaceable. Have a different MVP. Than I'm he saying does. exactly. I'm just saying for this team in this season, I just so and those whatever. can both be differing Hill. opinions. Especially anyway, one games without well, think about Hill. this. This you know is I mean? really like, interesting though, because while y'all were talking about the defense, but if Will Greer doesn't play against doesn't plays against Texas, Rod, how different is it? Like that to me, that's one of those deals that we'll never know. We'll never know. 
If yeah. Bud's candidates are nuts, we'll never know. So if you look at this defense and we're talking about how, you know, after that 14 year and then going into 15, how it transformed and really had a fall off and it's real similar to this. The thing is, is that year, what's interesting is, is it could have maybe been changed if at that time, that offseason, the right decisions about the offense was also made because it maybe could have helped and maybe not made that defense look so bad. So that's where this year is interesting to see how this team reacts because we're in similar situations with the defense on both sides and it's definitely going to have a drop off Charlie Strong's final flaw was at that same time also made the worst decision to not do anything about the offense and therefore the team was catastrophically bad which set him up for failure now going into this offseason see how because we're going to have to transition offensively too to do something to be much more improved how it's going to work out for him because that's a huge linchpin because they can both feed each other if you have a successful right. offense really going to say change the tempo of the defense so right. that's just an intriguing thing to think about because it's a parallel that ended up maybe being the fatal flaw this same offseason for charlie and it was two years before he was gone right well, let me just finish the point about the experience in the secondary though yes you lose holton hill yes you lose the Sean Elliott, but you know, we talked about Rod, you brought up Devontae Davis. If Chris Boyd comes back, you've got Brandon Jones now with the season under his yeah. belt. You're gonna get PJ Locke back. John Bonney's back there, who is a serviceable player. So while you lose the top end talent, the point you brought up that I don't think I don't think there's a, a substitute for experience. I yeah. think guys that have pl- at least played ball and at least you know what you've got, now you know you can work around them. You've got a better idea of strengths and weaknesses and, and what to do with guys. So again, if when we're looking ahead to 2018, while the defense is going to take a step back, I don't think you would find any Texas fan in their right mind who would say this defense is going to be better. It's or just as not. good. It's it's just not. It's not going to be as or good. Or even as good. But if you don't, as long as you don't fall off a cliff, near as good. that's where Matt's point comes into play. How much better is this offense going to get? Which is the question that I don't really if know. If it gets worse, like Charlie's offense, I don't know. Really, could be and that. and honestly, it could be more of the same next year without Connor Williams. And if we're talking about a sim a symbiotic relationship between all phases of the game, then if you lose Michael Dixon, hell, then what's going to happen? Too? <laughs> right. Oh no, exactly. you're right. You know what I mean, you're talking about arguably your best player with long ball. Dick. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it ain't just. So no, we're that's talk, huge. We're talking about the symbiotic no, relationship. No, that's the biggest. So you got to lose Connor Williams. That's like, the no, no, MVP no, no, for no, next year. No, and let's talk about graduate transfers. Who right. also may leave. Right, Jake McMillan. With Terrell Cuny. And that's on the offensive line mostly. Right. Which you're supposed to have those guys come back as a luxury in the rotation. Like, all right, I got experience. Which that's, not that's NFL a whole caliber guys, different. But at least I got guys that have played and know yeah. how to play and know what the reps are all about. Yeah. You may lose that too. So you're talking about the symbiotic thing. I'm, and I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm just saying we've never seen an exodus like no, this in right. Texas, dude. Right. Michael Dixon is contemplating leaving. The punter. No, oh yeah, the I've been I've, I've been thinking he's gone since he was a freshman. The when I saw him, like, I said that guy. I think I may leave this. So now, on, on top of all the guys leaving and just so personnel that you're going to have inexperienced against, you're like Charlie Strong you're starting all over again. All right, with younger guys, and we ain't talking about Bouchelle either yet because that could happen. That's on the horizon. All this other stuff. Right. But then, what's the culture there? Then it is a culture that you got a lot of guys leaving. Now I understand the guys leaving to make the money because I'm all about that. But guys that that would that would choose to to take on the real world as graduate transfers rather than play at Texas yeah. for one more year where they don't have any class. They literally can just play at Texas and chill. The punter who's dating a cheerleader, for God's sakes, who is right now a legend on the 40 acres, walking, talking legend <laughs> as a freaking punter. The coach won't even mention his Long name, and yet he's a punter Dixon. and he's a legend. He is choosing to leave this at, in Austin and go to the NFL and punt. It's not like he's worried about injury or money or where he's going to be drafted. You're a punter. You're going to be drafted in the fifth round or the fourth round or you know, late, you know, something like that. All right? 
So my thing is now I'm worried about if the punter leaves, I'm definitely worried about the culture. I'm worried about whether the culture right. change was was too much of a culture shock for the guys that he inherited from Charlie. Not saying yeah, that's exactly. a bad thing. I think thing. it just shows that Not the saying next that's guard, a bad the thing. Not saying that's a bad thing. But it may take you longer to turn the ship around. Mm-hmm. And this is oh, getting yeah, on the right sure. track. And you, with that kind of Charlie didn't Charlie even get to with the purge. The, ship. the purge, we all admitted, like it was the right thing to do, Charlie. You stood by your integrity, it was great, but that set the program back a bunch. And ended up like, costing lost. him. He didn't get to everybody the benefit knows. of his freshman. Yeah, everybody knows you lost. You lost a lot with that. So my thing with, with Tom Herman is I know he'll get more time than, than Charlie Strong, but everybody's expecting that instant turnaround. Mm-hmm. It's like we're looking at reasons right now why it may not be an instant turnaround. We're going to be younger next year program. and worse maybe next year than this year. That's what I'm saying. The, it's going to be. And the Big 12 is competitive, as, most, as competitive as it's been since 2008. I think mm-hmm. the. Okay, let's dissect that in a couple of different ways. <laughs> I think Whoops, sorry. I think the top part the top end of the Big Twelve next year, TCU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, I don't think will be as good as they were this year. Oh uh, yeah, because you lose your quarterbacks. I do think yeah. though, that middle group of the conference, Iowa State, West Virginia, I think Baylor, I think those teams are gonna be better. Mm-hmm. So while That's Texas where you say, Okay, uh, May- Baker Mayfield's gone and Mason Rudolph's Texas gone. Tech, maybe. And, TCU loses some stuff on defense. Yeah. Texas Tech, I think, has a chance has to, chance to, to be, be better. Because his defense is improving. Right, and we've figured out yeah. David Gibbs actually can coach some defense. Yeah, this is a good point. Um, I think that middle chunk of the I, conference, I, I, I like four to, four to eight, I think is going to be much better next year. I agree with you. Um, when you look at, I was thinking, oh, the, the roster. To me, that is Tom Herman's biggest challenge. And to me, it goes, it goes beyond the purge, Rod. And you mentioned the offensive line, and that's the group I want to look at right now. And when, when you start looking at Tech, and I know everybody throws about the fact you haven't had offensive lineman drafted since 2008. Let's mm-hmm. forget that. It's finally that. over. Let's that for, don't change. Let's forget, it's finally let's forget over. That. Let's decade. Just, but let's forget it's that, that for a minute. It's amazing. It was right. a decade. But let's it's just official. forget that for a minute. It's amazing. Just for, let's just throw that out. Go, I go back to 2006, and there was an offensive line class there with, like, Buck Burnett and Jamarcus oh Webb. And it was a talented class, but all those guys either washed out or transferred out or whatever. Yeah, one. So the position the you were in the following year, because remember that 2006 offensive line might have been the best offensive line in school history. When you talk about Tony Hills, Casey Studdard, Lyle Sunline, Justin Blaylock, all on the same damn offensive line. Yeah, all mm-hmm. guys who were recruited by one coach, but uh, coached by another. Right. They were recruited by Nunez. And McWhorter came in mm-hmm. my senior year in 2002 to split duties. With Tim Nunes, which we all knew, like, oh, that's the beginning yeah. of the end. Yeah. And then 2003, I believe, was the first year that McWhorter was the Big coach. Because, right. like, like you know, Jeff, and you've brought it up plenty of times, either you're a great recruiter or you're a great, great coach, like a great developer of talent at the college level. It's rare to get a guy that's both. And Tim Nunes was a hell of a recruiter, but he really wasn't a great developer of talent. McWhorter could develop talent, but really wasn't a great recruiter. But together, Matt Brown was really smart. I'm like, all right, we, we got we the talent on campus right now. Let me Hear bring me in this guy to develop talent. Right. And that's why he developed that line right. into a national championship. Good example of a delegator okay. of duties and a guy understanding right. the CEO aspect exactly way ahead right. of his time. Then you, But you get that 2007 offensive line class, and that was like the Michael Huey, Kyle Hicks, mm-hmm. Trey Allen. And because you had that one year, that gap, where you lost a bunch of talent and your freshmen who were supposed to return either didn't return or didn't pan out or whatever – then you had to play some of those true freshmen. You had to get yeah, those guys ready up. to play before yeah. they weren't before they were ready. Like quarterbacks right. now. And you've never really been and, and then so you get those guys in the mix and then go to 2009, which at the time everybody said, "Well, this is Max's best offensive line class he's ever signed." You got pretty much nothing out of that offensive line class. That was a that Thomas entire Ash, just class, Thomas right? Ashcraft, yeah. Peyton Kelly. That was the like, 5% uh, class. Yeah, that was you got nothing out of that offensive line class. Sure. 
And so what that did, and you took so few linemen, I think in 2008, I think they took two linemen, I think mm-hmm. something like that, something or three. Like there, right. And one of those was David Snow. Luke Pellman ended up being like a jumbo tight end, and Mark Buchanan never played. So when you look at really that run from 06 to 09, you got so little production and so little return on your investment on the offensive line that Texas has been in a position where you've never been able to catch up. Then go to 2013. You got Donald Hawkins and Mason Walters, and you finally had a vet. That 2013 offensive line was a veteran offensive line. Mm-hmm. And then you figure, okay, now you've got this offensive line class. Now you can really start building something. Darius James transfers out. Yeah. Jake Rollerson transfers out. Desmond Harrison was Sasquatch. We'd heard about him, but we never really saw, never saw him. Now he's in the damn senior bowl. Mm-hmm. Desmond Harrison's going to so go play the senior talented. bowl. Right. Yeah. And the only guy that you got any value out of on that offensive line class was Kent Perkins. Who you had to rush and play before he was playing in the league right now and played before he was ready and didn't get a chance to get fully developed. So you've never been able to catch up. And now you look at the offensive line now. Now you've had to you've had to rush Derek Kerstetter. You're gonna end up playing Sam Cosby before he's ready. So Rod, when people talk about the offensive line and developing talent and having experience, it is not like a one cycle fix. Well, let's load up with JUCOs and grad transfers and let's go get this offensive line fixed. Mm-hmm. This is a multi year, multi cycle issue that Tom Herman's going to have to fix. And even then, even when you get the bodies, you still got to develop them. So yeah, you no. you won't so know for years different. down exactly, the road what the return on your investment is. These recruits be. are viewed as individual offensive linemen, yet. They, when they come here, they aren't asked to be individual linemen. They're asked to be an offensive line, a unit of five that works exactly well together. Right. So when you have to, like you were saying, oh, let's go grab a Juco and a freshman and they're top recruits and they're going to work. It's like they don't even know each other. These two humans never even met. they got to start working together, figure out what strengths, what weaknesses. The coach has to understand. There's so much depth involved to it that like those are the type of things that you really have to think. Like That group then is the epicenter for the whole offense. So there's so much of that second level of chemistry and just then teamwork and then repetition so that's why we're saying that when you're always trying to catch up or replace somebody you're never going to be that cohesive unit and it's also it's a great point i think both of you guys bring up really good points but and 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 casey studded i was talking to him uh, a couple weekends Uh, ago texas tech weekend and he actually brought up something that blew my mind that in 2004 greg davis was rotating different offensive lines with different quarterbacks so yeah. Chance Mock had his own O line, and Vince Young had a different O line, and it was like and it was based K-State on game. yeah, because doing that in the things were with yeah, Vince. things were a little bit different in terms of the play zone calling, what they wanted to do uh, right. with different quarterbacks, which makes sense yeah. when you break it down. Transitioning to his own. That's another thing that and Matt's talking about. You're talking about chemistry and continuity on the offensive line. Hell, even with the quarterback you have, and that's another thing about Tom Herman. He's got to figure out too is he wants to. You talked about the you know the 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 the, the rate of the development with offensive linemen and how that's broken up and discontinued to a certain extent with guys transferring and having to play guys too early before you develop them. Same thing at quarterback. He's just trying to end that at quarterback too. That's why he's bringing in two quarterbacks in the 2018 class, Cameron Rising and Casey Thompson, and he wants to redshirt both of them. You know what I mean? But now with the potential of a guy like Shane Bouchot transferring – Texas is going to end up in the same quarterback hell that they've yeah. been in for the last seven years because you got to play too many quarterbacks too early. A lot of these positions on offense, because of these systems that guys are bringing in, they do need that kind of year, all right, of kind of development, just kind of sit and watch and um, really, really, really get themselves kind of meshed with the system and, and combine their skill set with that system. And another thing, you guys bring up the offensive line, I think that, you know, you wasted a year, not and not that Tom Herman it wasted it intentionally, but if all these guys transfer, like um, you know, Terrell Cuny and 
you, you end up having, you know, uh, different Jake McMillan end up transferring. I think there's some other guys potentially on the offensive line. Alex Anderson's have, gone, but Anderson didn't play that much. Yeah, this year. exactly. But you wasted a year of giving those guys reps because those reps are supposed to carry over to next year when you're building your rotation of linemen so you can stop the cycle mm-hmm. of playing guys too early, and now the cycle's going to continue because these guys are jumping <laughs> that shit. That was my That's argument. just why you're hoping that this group Damn. is able to grow together. The way that we saw Herman's group with Ezekiel and that, oh, that freshman class at Ohio State grow together. We thought Charlie was going to have a class grow together, but yeah. that splintered, and now they're all leaving early. They were as talented they're as Charlie we thought. Guys, so though, so we, it was the right path. We almost did it. Just not able to do it. Being a Texas fan, it's like a whole decade removed. Maybe this time it's going to finally work out. Yeah, a couple things there. Um, when you talk about the offense, Rod, and you talk about quarterback, I think the bigger issue there, the bigger picture issue, uh, Matt, you mentioned it too, with the continuity. To me, it's not so much that. It's Texas really needs to figure out what they want to be offensively and recruit to that. We a Tom Herman system, whatever the hell that is, is what the yeah. well, we, exactly. you, at least we finally you, get to see a class. You brought in a coach that is an offensive identity. Yeah. That's the frustrating thing about all this. It's like, dude, we have an offensive identity crisis on the 40 acres since Colt McCoy left. We bring in one of the great, best offensive minds in college football to help solve the offensive identity crisis, and we have a defensive identity as a team, not an offensive identity. Like, what the hell is going on? Right. Did we get hustled? No, like, I think you, the parts you, you know I mean? just didn't fit. Are you the I wizard the behind the curtain who really is like some, you know, miniature random dude and not really, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> kind of, that, well, that's the Stone Horn fans right now, their frustration is like, well, well, why didn't Tom Herman just go, all right, guys, I got this. Let me let, – let, let, I won't take over the offense, but I'll start basically sitting in every meeting. I'll approve every player. Because a lot of this is on Tom Herman, man. Tom right. Herman's watching this happen, yeah. and he can't do anything. That's frustrating. Yeah. So you've got – they've got to figure out exactly who they want to be. You can't You can't try to be, well, we want to be this. No, figure out what you want to be and recruit to that. I agree. And let the chips fall where they may. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But yeah. at least at least you've got – at least I can see what your vision is. Yeah. Right. Right now, I don't know what the vision is on offense. Couldn't tell you. Nobody does. Especially with the quarterbacks they're recruiting like, oh, you know, you, you, you inherited Sam Thompson. Ellinger. Yeah. Casey Thompson's kind of more of a dual threat guy. Cameron Rines is more of a pro style guy. Do, do you want an athlete? And then you got Shane Bouchel and Sam Ellinger and all then over again. You go to two thousand. You go to two thousand nineteen. Maybe that's what he wants. You, you, that's probably what he wants. You go to two thousand nineteen, and and you got a guy in Roshan Johnson who looks like Greg Ward. Like dynamic athlete, rocket arm, and it's like, uh, well, we'll you put Gerard Hurd at quarterback. Hey, do that. But let me uh, let me just say, think yeah. about the first thought in my mind because I haven't followed recruiting like I used to. And that makes me feel like he believes in quarterback versatility. That like you made in modern game, but, not even afford. Now yeah. I agree, this is, it might be a flawed system. That's just what I'm thinking. Okay, all right. I, I'm not saying it's smart. I'm just thinking but that he's like, guys, man, we need to grab. Isn't this our get. big complaint about Tom Herman's offense so far? And we haven't seen the whole thing because personnel wise, uh, that is that has really hindered his ability to implement the offense, but that his, he's such a Mensa guy and he's so smart. We all know. Tom Herman is a smarter football guy than all of us. We all yes. agree with that. All right? He sees things that we don't see. Right. But his offense lacks common sense. Like It's like, man, and I hope the recruiting doesn't lack the common sense of the offense because they're just simple things. We pray, we've stated on offense. I, I got a list of them I can bring out here somewhere. It's like, well, why did, why did you wait so long to do that? You brought up, I, I read a column on Horns 24-7. You brought up the running backs. Why did it take him so long to do the running backs? Like, what, what took you so long with that? You know what I mean? Like, you're a wide receiver, reverse passes in the red zone. It's like, bro, a little that, Brian is, that is so smart it's stupid. Like, what are you doing? Like, That's sort of the then, same criticisms we had of Harson at the time. Yeah, and then you do it with John Burt and not Gerard Hurd. And it's like, what? 
I mean, you're somebody, you know what I mean? Like, hey, you're at the two yard line, you got a 250 pound running back. You think you might just put a fullback in there, like a, a fullback says H back, and say, you know what, let's run downheel behind our first round offensive tackle and let's just go and the chips fall where they make. Yeah. Like, common sense stuff is you throw that You throw that red zone back shoulder throw to Devin Duvernay instead of your 6'6 wide receiver with the ridiculous catch <laughs> radius who's watching on the bench. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like. So that's like, my that my biggest complaint with Tom. Can I say this, Rob? Go ahead. I'll, no, that's I'll throw the this best out point there. right there. As, a, a as an offensive, difference. as, a, as an off, as an offensive guy, as a, as an offensive guy, and when you're watching offensive football, throw it up. When it when it works, it's incredibly versatile. When it doesn't work, you're just throwing s at the wall that's and seeing exactly what sticks. Right. Exactly you know what I'm saying? Right, like when it works, like oh man, this offense is so dynamic and so versatile. And when it doesn't work, like man, they're just throwing stuff at the wall trying to see what sticks. And why did you put? Because I didn't hear anything about an injury, so maybe that was an injury. And I didn't say it. Why did you put Shane Bouchard in for one series? Versus Tech. Because you told him he was going to get Final a Final farewell. One series? Do you know how upsetting that is for somebody? But for him, I think you 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 you, you probably pissed him off more. Yeah. Like, I don't think that helped your situation. Right. Like, I'll, I'm, hey, Shane, I'm, I'm still on your side, bro. You get one series. Total like, tease. Really? Why did you do that? Did you you, disrupt, you disrupted uh, Sam Ellinger's vibe and all of this kind of group. Yeah. What the hell was that? Like, that's what you did? That was the bright idea about the quarterback rotation? And now I hear, and I, I saw you uh, reported via Twitter, they're splitting time, first and second team reps. They're both splitting time. Whatever. Like, what the that that was that was a lack of common sense in his approach. Like you know what, Shane, you're out here, man. We're going with Sam. Try to win the game. You know what I mean? Like I don't understand yeah. some of this stuff, man. I just don't. I don't get it. Don't get it's it. I, I to your point on that, Rod. I would rather, as a competitor, I would rather a coach tell me I'm going to go with this guy because he gives me a chance to win, okay. rather than BSing me and saying, "Oh yeah, we'll give you a chance." And like, no, you're not. Like, that wasn't don't pee ch- on my leg and tell me it's raining. Like. This is bull. You're just doing this to save face. Like, no. That's kind of my thing. And I like, I don't know if he helped the situation. I think he'd have been better. Like, I get nope, what you're saying. I totally get what Sam. you're saying. Like, he might not be, be very good at managing serious? people. And like, maybe he's totally what? detached uh, emotionally from that and didn't even fathom, which is really bad. Gets me to another point. I won. You know, we know we got on Charlie for this. And I don't want to bring on Charlie Strong. We've been bringing up. A- but we've got on Charlie Strong for learning on the job. He's like, man, this is not a job where you learn yep, on the job. Got a man- but we all yes. have to admit. That's a legit point. That Tom Herman is learning on the job. Right. Understandably so. We so, wanted yeah. him. He's, his third, like, he's a third-year head coach. Of course he's learning on the job. And we knew that on the front end. Texas fans, I don't care what they say now, they knew that on the front end. They wanted him because they thought he might be the next guy. When in, But yeah. Urban and you know Saban both started out. Um, Urban maybe didn't. Saban at least had some learning yeah. patches for a good decade yeah. or so. He's it's, not, it, it's one of those deals, though. That's not a bad thing, Rod, if you learn from your mistakes and you correct those things going forward. So yeah. hopefully he does. But just like with Charlie, we were seeing stuff from Charlie in game 20 that we were seeing in game three, and it's like, all right, yeah. at some yeah. point. That's the one area where we're at time. right now yeah. that we have that time Agreed. to wait to see. And and Charlie had coyote ugly losses, as I call them, those 21-point Mm-hmm. Like losses, get off the stick and Madden, mm-hmm. and I will say Tom Herman does not have those losses. Nope. Right. They're, they're disappointing some losses, the Maryland Absolutely. and the Texas Tech loss, but they're not embarrassing losses no. where you feel ashamed to to show your right. face as a Longhorn fan. The other thing I was going to bring up though about the roster and the offense and managing everything, th- Matt's point. That's exactly why I was in favor of like playing Denzel Okafor over Tristan Nicholson. Tristan Nicholson's not going to be here next year. Okay. So what is the upside? Is the upside of trying to win with Nicholson, if it's if it's close between Nicholson and Okafor, this is what we talked about with Charlie that Charlie said and really didn't do. 
if it's close between an older guy and a younger guy, play or the, the younger, younger guy, guy because the upside's higher. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got more you know? long term. And he didn't. Yeah, so that's. And I'm not inc- saying Denzel Okafor's great, but at least he's going to be back next year. Yeah. That's inconsistent. So if you were going all in to win as many games as possible this year, why the wide receiver rotation the way it was? If you, because I, I assumed the reason that it was inconsistent and kind of all over the place is because you were trying to incentivize younger guys to play and practice in a certain culture, and you were not going to. You were basically not going to sacrifice the long-term goals and visions for the program for short-term success. And as a Oakland fan, I'm like, okay, I feel you. We're all about the long-term. Well, that decision with the offensive line, that says you want to win now. Decisions with the, with the quarterback and with wide receivers say, oh, no, 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 we're looking long-term on this thing. We're still evaluating. We're building a culture. Job. We're building a culture. So it ain't the guy that has the best stats that the guy that produces the most in the game. No, no, no. I see in practice I'm building a culture. So if you don't practice as hard as you play on as productive in practice as you are in the games, then you don't play on Tom Herman's team. Which, you know what? I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. But then that doesn't – Those inconsistencies give you – I don't see that on defense. You, no, those inconsistencies give you a reason yeah. to criticize so because like, yeah. it, that, those inconsistencies could easily be just a thing that should, is an example of them learning on the job. And then yeah. it's like then when you learn from it, that would be good. Or is it your fatal flaw and you continue to do the wrong thing over and over and we'll over? See. Yeah, still early. We're early. Rod, I'm trying to pull it up. The internet's not cooperating. To your point about the wide receiver rotation, I've got the Pro Football Focus data in front of me because oh, you know, we've got can, the, it's been all over the, the partnership with the Pro Football Focus. You realize there were nine receivers that played at least 184 snaps this year. That's impressive. Is that is it? Well, I'm just saying is on it? depth. Is well, it impressive? Oh, so here, let is me it impressive? let me get into this. It's going to be a little nerdy, but if you look at the numbers, so right now, if you are on the front end, it's what teams like say Brooklyn's doing, what Phoenix is doing. If you know you aren't going to win a championship, and then you were in this for a year or two, there's no reason to put so many snaps or blows on a body. It's the same reason that you have a limited amount of minutes, you have a limited amount of snaps. If you know that you aren't going to be winning a championship this year, and say by the mid part of the season you're at that point where you are sort of going long term the more about of snaps that you disperse around is going to only limit the chances of injury in those future years and it's going to be guys that then are going to be able to learn in more specialized roles that may be ones that fit them better so that's just a thing that I've seen across all of football or or all of basketball all of baseball you see it with bullpens you see it same with football with different positions even with pass rushers now it's infiltrating out at first was only yeah. with pass rushers or what you said about linemen. Now it's dispersed out to skill position guys that they're going to end up doing that with young teams when you can't win because there's no reason to overload it because it can actually even directly correlate to injuries in addition to other things. Okay. No, no, no. Makes sense. Yep. Actually, that's a really good breakdown. It's I will admit, stuff. I, I actually, that's, a, I, that's, if you're thinking new age, I yes. agree with that. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm going more with find their best players and yeah, exactly. just try to, football. To try to force feed them the football. But maybe Tom Herman's on. Like I said, I think Tom he Herman, is. Yeah, I think he's, he's on thinking that. more of a macro thing. than I'm thinking, That's and I totally Maury get that. Style, we yeah. are we are can't see the forest for the trees. He's supposed to be able to see the forest. It's a huge analytics movement. The they do that across. So all no, platforms. no, I like that. I like that. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I would just rather find the best guys and make sure my best guys. <laughs> but I mean, no, they're sort of doing that right without now, risk. He may not know no who his best guys are. Let's give him that. Like, Give yeah, us I more data know. points. So to he's study. trying to figure that out. Number one, Limit and also, injury. like you said, he's he's basically building. He's building even more depth. Like he's yes. all these guys are getting quality reps. So kind of, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I feel that. Right, but 
Not to say it's right. No. Just saying to explain, no. explain, explain the, the reason. Explain the rationale. I guess that, I'm like nobody knows if it's right. We'll know if it's right in years yeah. and years and years. It's the same way you look back. It's like, damn, we shouldn't have been smoking around babies. Huh? Like, why did Lorenzo? <laughs> like, why did Lorenzo Joe need? His, <laughs> He's pretty obvious right <laughs> now. You shouldn't have been smoking around <laughs> like, babies. Like, why did Lorenzo right. Joe yes, need as many reps as Lil Jordan Humphrey or in the ballpark? Because you know, uh, no it's preserving Joe. those guys for the yeah, long term, uh, not I, overworking Jordan Humphrey when he's too young and his buddy's not ready. Yeah, no, I, I, I am with I, I, I side more with Jeff on this. I think that's football. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's football in a nutshell. Like Agreed. I really think you have to find that there are guys that are just better players than other guys. You have to find a way to get them to football. And the offense has been more productive when you get certain guys to football. It's just Man, I'm not, I'm not. I like, say what you want about Amante Foreman. I don't know if they like each other. I know they don't like each other. If Amante Foreman was a junior, hell, he transferred this year. So mm-hmm. he gets somewhere yes. else. That's how much he dislikes Sam Herman and vice versa. But he, he, he makes plays. It's pretty obvious when you good. get that guy the football. I haven't seen the metrics and broke it down, but I test alone, that guy gets the football, he makes a ton of plays. Hell, he even gotten the football a lot, and he's made plays with the few opportunities that he's gotten. He's one of the guys you're like, yeah, we should try to force feed him the football a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. Colin Johnson, not the guy. They don't do yes. that. No, I just want to say again, Matt, I'm not, I'm not crapping on your point. Um, to me, it's just, and, and I respect the analytical view. I do. I just think if Tom Herman's looking at it that way, I just think that's overcooking your bacon a little bit. It's like you said, what's, what's your great quote? Football's Football a simple is game? a simple game made complicated by simple men. It's like, why are you overthinking this, man? That guy's better than the other guy. That guy can win in one-on-one coverage. That guy is fast. And that's why people have different life philosophies and religions and it's everything else. Point. If you believe in one thing, other people believe in another, and then you happen to be in the same country or in the same damn sport, you, now damn they're clashing opinions, and we'll would see you what guys, changes. you for making like, a damn good analogy there. Damn you, sir. Would you guys like the snap <laughs> distribution a wide receiver. This is per pro football focus. I would like that. Um, I'll actually give you the snaps. I'll, I'll do one better. I will give you the snaps on passing plays because I think that gives you a more accurate picture. So give me just a second. Snaps on passing plays. Colin Johnson. Well, actually, it, it evens out a little. I gotta bit. write this down. This is good information. On passing plays, in the mid, in the middle is where it gets muddled up. Uh, Rod, I'll go. I'll wait till you get your pen here. I got a pen here. Reach in, reach in your purse and get a pen. Go, okay. Go. This is snaps on passing plays. Uh, Colin Johnson, 427. <laughs> Lil Jordan Humphrey, 322. Mm-hmm. Lorenzo Joe, 263. Reggie Hempel Maps, 212. Devin Duvernay, 194. Oh. Amani Foreman, 157. Dorian Leonard, 132. Gerard Hurd, 125. And John Burt, 124. Okay. So, Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey were the top three. And then, what would you say? Who, who was behind? Lorenzo Lojo, 263. Okay. Okay, so those are the top three. Interesting. I would I would not have thought Lojo would have been that high. They like Lojo. They do, and, and Dorian Leonard's got uh, a lot of snaps in there, but – I don't know, man. I would just take some of those reps and give them to give LJ Humphrey more. I would like to see LJ Humphrey be closer to 400. I agree with you. Reggie Hempel maps to be hell, a hell of a lot more than 212. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I just I agree. Like I, said, with I respect the analytical view, but I think there's also something to be said. And how many Dory Leonard have? 132. Yeah. To your point, Rod. Man. Going back to the preseason, Dorian Leonard had more snaps on pass routes than Gerard Hurd did. That's crazy. And Armonte Foreman only had 157, but led the team in receiving touchdowns. And I will get you their grades as receivers. From yeah, I mean that to me, well. 
And it's like, I love analytics, man. I'm a huge fan of data and stats. Hell, Sashi Brown. That's why I like PFF because it takes, like, all the biases out. It's just, boom, here's the numbers. Here's, here's the numbers. Mm-hmm. So would the you, raw numbers. So would you like to know the most productive receivers based on their PFF grades as receivers? Give it to me. Uh, Colin Johnson, 79.8. That's the high end of average. Really? Uh, Reggie Hemphill maps, 76.6. Let's see. Uh, Amani um, Foreman, uh, 76.1. I can believe and that. All those guys are ranked 166 or better in the country uh, among wide receivers with those grades as pass catchers. And then you've got Gerard Hurd at 72. Uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey at 71.1. And then it drops off Dorian Leonard at uh, 68.2. Devin Duvernay at 62.8. And then below average would be Lorenzo Joe at 58.2 and John Bird at 52.6. But your highest graded receivers are, and maybe if I'm wrong, Colin Johnson, Reggie Hempel Maps. Maps, and Armonte Foreman? Yep. You know what I mean? I mean that's I, in terms of snap production on pass on passing plays. And Lil Jordan Humphrey, what do you have his, his score at? Seventy one point one. I think that's going to be drops. Okay, going to be. I because I, I I think you're you're so that make to me that's your top four wide receivers and it, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, right and now those are the guys you should have been trying to get the football to. Drop rate with Jordan Humphrey is what kept him below because Hempel Maps and Armani's catch rate was really high, and then Colin Johnson's catch rate was low, but that isn't all his fault and. He makes up for it in his yards per target and yeah. per catch. Colin Johnson, according to Pro Football Focus, 95 targets, 54 catches. Uh, Rod, actually, this is good Target data rate too, was 21%. Uh, Colin Johnson, 95 catches on uh, – 95 targets, 54 catches. Uh, Reggie Hemphill maps, 52 targets, 38 catches. Hmm. Yeah. A, a that catch rate's good. Now, the main rate. one, you look at target rate, which is the main one where when you're on the field – how much are you a part of the passing game, which is the best indicator of your individual success? Colin Johnson, an amazing 21%. Now, uh, target rate of Lil Jordan at 14 and Hemphill Maps at 11 was also pretty good. Rod Amani Foreman, uh, 41 targets, 29 catches. Uh, Amani Foreman also led all wide receivers with 10 forced missed tackles. That's yeah. thing, man. It's real um, good. Right? Gerard, Gerard Hurd, 32, 32 targets, 22 catches. Matt, this goes to drop rate, I guess. Uh, Bart, just look at the numbers. Catch rate. LJ, LJ Humphrey, th- 63 targets, 39 catches. Dorian Leonard, 29 targets, 18 catches. Roger, mm-hmm. you need to slow down or are you good? No, I'm good. Uh, this is the one that really hurts, man, because it, it doesn't show really growth. Devin Duvernay, 21 targets, 9 catches. Mm. Lorenzo Joe, 30 targets, 18 catches. John Burt, 18 targets, 11 catches. Amani Foreman with those ten missed tackles, man, on twenty nine receptions. Cool. I mean, that's that's well, I guess he'd get it from his his mom or his daddy, but yeah, those Foremans know how to break some damn tackles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh, well, cause I mean, yeah, he, he does have a physical side. They like him on the sweeps every now and then, mm-hmm. and they'll oh, give yeah. him a handoff on those sweeps every now and then. So, uh, I could see that, but I'm with you on that. So we just spent all that time talking about wide receivers, but. When you look at Missouri defensively, Rod, and you look at kind of where they struggled, and and we'll get into some of the numbers, but just off the top of my head, you know, when you give up 45 points to Arkansas, you give up 52 to Georgia, uh, you give up 51 to Auburn. Without looking at the numbers, I'm going to go ahead and guess that they struggled defending the run, some in the SEC. Yeah, yeah. SEC is tough. And well, that that would you would think kind of play right into the Longhorns' uh, blueprint to win. Because 
if when they run the ball a lot, when they run the ball hmm. a ton, they win. Yeah, and we know they're not. Ellinger. Yeah, we know they're not good at it. That's just. I mean, they're not really good at anything offensively. But when they run the football, this was they run it uh, forty times or more. What are they like? Is they are they five, five and zero? Five and zero now this year. Uh, they're one in six when they don't run the ball at least forty times. So at least you know if you're going into it with a team that doesn't, you know, they don't really hold up well against the run. Hell, just find a way to run the football. Missouri, line. Missouri's fifty sixty uh, second, finishing sixty second in run defense. That's in uh, the ballpark of where Tech was. That's, a, that's above I think, average. I think, Tech, I think Tech was fifty eighth. Oh, were they really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. that was higher than I expected them to be so, too. Yeah. Not in all the. I'll, and, I'll check up the, some of the metrics too. And they have Missouri usually have really decent defensive linemen. Listen, you're not gonna have Connor Williams, so. Right. So, you know, I mean, whatever, however effective you were running the football, that's going to take, you know, a step back. I think you will have a, uh, those graduate tra- – I don't know if you have all of them – the graduate transfer offensive you'll, line. You'll have Jake McMillan and Terrell Cooney for the bowl game. You will. There yeah. you go. So And there's a, there's a decent chance you'll get Vahe back. Tom Herman sounded optimistic they'll have Patrick Vahe back. Yeah, there you, and Elijah Rodriguez? Yeah, it sounds like it. So you should, you know, what I mean, you, yeah, I mean, I know Connor Williams leaving. That's a it's not dire straits to be pessimistic. Mm. Yeah, but I think you're getting some 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 crucial p- pieces back yeah. on the offensive line where you should be able to at least have the goal of running the ball at least forty times in any way, form, and fashion. And if Sam Ellinger is starting quarterback, I think you, it, you know, that both. If nothing else, Rod, you got to take the Dallas Cowboys approach. You got to limit the exposure of your defense. Yeah, well, I would think I would think that that would be priority number one. You know, I I, I never <laughs> I never hear rarely do I hear you know. Cowboys analysts talk about this except the guys who I feel like know what they're talking about. One of the reasons why when the Cowboys have had really good defenses is because they've had a really good run game to go with and your defense isn't getting exposed. Whether it was DeMarco Murray in 2014 or in 2016 with Ezekiel that's their blueprint to win. It always helps their defense. So I agree with you. Um, for Texas, especially now where we don't have the piece in the secondary with Houghton Hill or Sean Elliott against Drew Locke. Man, that is still a Big 12 offense with Missouri. It's yeah. just in the mm-hmm. SEC. They're still a Big 12 offense, though. Yeah, and in, looking at their defense, too, at the rush defense, now the overall numbers are that they gave up, a, I guess, a little bit below average. But then if we think about it in context, running up against teams like SEC East Georgia that can mm-hmm. run really well, look at stuff rate, which is the amount of times that they stuff their opponent at the line of scrimmage or behind it. They're top 10 in the nation. That's oh, really? very good. See, now, go. it shows ISO PPP, which is explosivity, 122nd. So that means they've given up huge runs, which have given made those overall numbers be more. So if, say, Texas can be explosive with the young freshman running backs, then may be able to have some big chunks because 122 is horrid. But a 10th in stuff rate, 33 in opportunity rate, and 36 in defensive adjusted line yards, those are all really good metrics overall. So it would be more so, eh, they're going to stop you 80% of the time, but those 20%, you might bust some big TDs. So hopefully you can have those running explosives. Well, exactly, which is even more reason to run it more because then yeah, you have you're going to get at the line of scrimmage. But don't abandon it. it. But so don't that's very bad for this exactly. Texas team, actually. You get frustrated. <laughs> don't abandon it because yes, we've man, seen that. Broke it down. What's, that, what's the explosivity rate? What is it called? ISO PPP, yeah. rushing ISO PPP yeah. defense, 122nd. Yeah. National average is .92. It's, they're at 1.09. There you go. There it's, you, go. The, the, you know, we talk about abandoning the run. That was my big issue with the Maryland game and the Texas Tech game. It's like just, man, just keep chipping away, man. Just keep, just keep chopping wood, and eventually, man, the dam's gonna break. Gonna break. It has to. You know. You know what I mean? Like that's. It must be. I think you I, keep, I, you keep knocking that sledgehammer against the wall, man. At some point, you'll break through. But it goes to our point about self scouting. How often are they doing it? Have yeah. they not realized that? They're not an explosive offense. They don't really do anything well. That all they really have to do because their defense is so good. Now, 
it may not be as good in that bowl game because of the losses on right. defense. But your defense and your special teams with Michael Dixon can win the game for you. You know you'll have Michael Dixon for this and, game. And that, that upsets me, too, because I look at those Big 12 you know, um, uh, awards, and you have the special teams player of the year, you have the defensive player of the year, you have the defensive lineman of the year in the conference. The only unanimous defense, first-team defensive selection in the conference with Deshaun Elliott. Yeah, so Exactly. So, and then he's a Thorpe Award finalist, of course. And you only won five games in the conference? You had the best defensive players in the conference by far. Not best defense close. in the At every level. Best defense in the conference. At every, At every level, level of the defense. And the best special teams player in the conference. And you won. That's how bad your offense was. Yeah, because you were the barometer to stop Baker Mayfield. Every single broadcast was the Texas defense is the way the litmus test. If you can do what Texas did, you can limit Baker Mayfield. Yet Texas still can't win them. You know what I mean? Like that's how bad that offense was. You held six six opponents under 100 yards rushing. First time that's been done since 2009. Yeah. You're the first Big 12 defense since 2006 to hold every team in the league under 30 points. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay, I'm with you, man. It's uh, it's really frustrating. That's where the frustration kicks in for Texas fans. We could talk about rebuild. I know we just ran it down, but you were so close to being a really good football team this year. Yeah, we knew they had the, some talent there. And in the Longhorns wins, they average, and uh, in, in the Longhorn wins, they average 32.8 rush attempts per game. Oh, sorry, in their losses, excuse me. In their losses, they average 32.8 rush attempts per game. In their wins, they average 44.6 rush attempts per game. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it's right there in your face. Like, just you got to run the ball. Yep. And you basically got to not, on offense, not lose the game. And on defense, hell, they're going to win the game for you, especially win the game for yeah, you. Yeah, because this may be the phases. last game that you can uh, yeah. or have that luxury. Maybe you haven't, you can't have that luxury because you're already losing a lot of those pieces, but you definitely next year aren't going to be able to do deploy that type of game plan as easily. Yeah. So that's kind of my thing. You're, you, you're three phases mm. of the game, and you were the better team in the Big 12. In two of those three phases, probably in every game this year you played in the conference, and yet you only won five games. Yeah, I only won five games. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's that, those special teams awards. I mean, the special teams awards. The, the special teams awards, obviously, in the defense awards, showed me that the respect that that the conference had for Texas, mm-hmm. and those are voted on by the coaches. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. how bad that defense was. Man, defense was. I mean, sorry, the offense was. Offense was bad. The defense was bad in a, in a good way. Uh, Matt, Michael Jackson, bad. Mm-hmm. Matt, we don't have picks this week. Yes, we're uh, gonna, do, do you want to do – I was thinking of this, though, because you have a lot of games to make up for the Bulls. Do you want to pick, like, the ten games that we're picking from or however many you want to be able to make up the ground, and then me and Rod will pick all the games that you prefer to pick? So I get to pick, pick which which, oh. go, which bowl games. I'm so down with that. Give them a good all chance right. to be able to catch it up with them. I'm down yeah. with that. Because yeah. I think I didn't tally Warrior. up last week. It was somewhere like you're – I'll tally it up, but you're like six or seven games behind Rod, I think eight behind me somewhere oh, yeah. around there so we need you to pick like 10 or 15 that. good bowl games how about this how about how about i pick I, I pick the 10 non uh college college football playoff bowls and then we'll both obviously pick yes perfect. all of us obviously pick the uh the final four the sugar and bowl and the uh rose bowl so we got like 13 it. that's perfect uh, okay. nice lucky 13 games to all pick right. from quick <laughs> programming note before we get out of here uh because of the holiday schedule uh matt rod and i decided to do things a little bit differently than we've done in the past with the way the bowl game falls so we will have a show next week on uh, that should be like the 12th 13th mm. uh then another show the 19th 20th that will be our full bowl game preview we will not have a show the following week christmas days on monday the bowl games on wednesday so it just doesn't line up we will come back 
either January 2nd or January 3rd, most likely January 2nd, and we will have a blitz that week. So basically, okay. Christmas week, no show. We'll come back the following week for our first show. Yeah, 2019. The 19th and the 2nd, remember those days. Yes. No show Christmas week. If you're sitting around annoyed by the family on Christmas Day and you want the blitz to get you through, you have to go to the archives. You got to yes, go drink sorry. something. Yeah. Yes, go, go watch Vegas vac- or watch... Uh, Christmas, oh, vacation. Christmas vacation. That's, oh, yeah. That's a tradition. That's a great uh, Christmas at our house. Also, gentlemen, yeah. for us, that show on the 19th, that'll be uh, our annual gift exchange. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, nice. I got to write this down. We got, I got to, like, set an alarm. Oh, last got time gifts. I screwed this up. <laughs> we, got Rod the, uh, we got Rod the PlayStation last year. Which oh, is, yeah, uh, with the video game with yourself. Have you legit. played it? I, it is hooked up, yes, yes, in the guest room. Nice. Dumb. Damn, I should have played that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's hooked up when you were over, but, yeah, it's hooked up now, yeah. So, yeah, we'll do the gift exchange on the 19th, and then... Yeah, we'll have a bowl game and then come back for the first show. Are you, uh, so, is that, are you going? You going to the bowl game? Obviously, I'm Dad. going to the bowl. Are you going, Matt? Uh, going I don't game? think so. Yeah, Rod, are you gonna go? Yeah, yeah. I'll be I, in East. I can just say yeah. no. I'm I'll not. be in H Town. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in nice. for the holidays. So, how are you bowl and the lady game? friend ah. doing the holidays now, y'all? Uh, she's gonna go uh, back to Idaho because I mean I can't go because I'm about to work the bowl game and you know I gotta see the family, so I can't do it this year. So it'd be full on H Town, full on H Town, hanging out. Yeah, okay. I like that. It. Yeah, so it's been one of the things where I think we're gonna do the show from down there for a few days. Since okay. hell, it's easy for me. I'll be nice. Down there. I'm gonna Where'd go ahead go? and guess. There's a Frenchie stop or two. Man, or three. Yeah, or four. I made my. I went and stopped last time I was down there for the Astros game. Had to mm-hmm. go check out Frenchies. Oh, Craig Way did it too last time. Mm-hmm. He sent me some pictures. You got to go to the one by U of H. Yeah, yep. oh, that's the only one. The rest of them are just uh, they're just pretenders. The only one they're I trying. know in existence. Yeah, that's the, that's the well, that's the original. Yes, right. I love how at that Frenchies though, like you see, like you'll see like some Cadillacs and Mercedes in the Boom. drive-through. Yeah, <laughs> and you might see a, a horse tied up there too. You know what I mean? That's how that's Texas. You never know. That's H town. You know what I mean? Anybody see a horse tied up there? Yeah, with some old school Cadillacs. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I love it. All right, Bye. Matt. Thank you for the time, man. Appreciate it. Hey, you're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. That is true. For all of us here at Longhorn Blitz, you can get us on iTunes, tune in, any podcast app. Thanks to Matt. And Matt, everybody can get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz, search for us, you'll find us. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.